1: work this out what are we doing here? where are you going hey hey there wow it's not always easy it's amazing if you think about it let's think about this strange i have some thoughts about that life
0: is hard trauma bonded but like it's just so ridiculous to think that baking is just for women i i know it's because it's in the house but like everyone likes
1: cake yeah I feel like he learned, he's like, okay, I guess I can't bake a cake. It's like, that sucks. It feels like it should be cool.
0: Isn't it cool to be
1: able to make one? It's it's really cool. It's really cool. No matter who you are.
0: Oh, God, I made a cake. What does it mean? I'm a girl. I'm gay. Uh... No, embrace your cake making. And just know that when you become an adult and you start bringing cake around, no one's going to judge you for it. If In anything, fact, they'll people, celebrate. Yeah, they're going to celebrate you. If you have an, a, a feeling, an impetus to make a cake, go make a cake.
1: If there's one thing you learned from this today, <laughs> make a cake, share the cake. Make a cake, share a cake. Encourage others to make cakes. There's nothing bad about it. There's nothing bad about it at all.
0: Welcome to Trauma Bonded. I'm Ellie Westberg and I'm here with Therese Garcia. Hello, hello. And today we're discussing, this is actually happening, episode 294. What if you shot your girlfriend? Daniel grows up rough and tough, lots of instability and violence. He survives in different worlds of gangs, drugs, and guns. He decides to give his life to the army and he is wildly successful in that cause, though he comes home directionless and with a traumatic brain injury and PTSD. Eventually he meets Jessica and his life seems to fall into place. He's stable, he has a job, he's on his meds, he takes care of family. He's pursuing acting and music, then one terrible night, his reckless actions become the defining moment of his life and full disclosure i'm the showrunner for this is actually happening and i have the privilege to vet, sh- vet stories and conduct pre-interviews before they get a wit for the final interview and t knows nothing about anything she comes in fresh and this show trauma slash bonded is for the listeners a space where we can talk about each episode digest it and reflect on it with empathy and also a bit of levity and I do want to say that I'm sorry for my voice, um, but somebody might like it as well.
1: It's like raspy, smoky. Some
0: people like raspy voices.
1: My voice sounds like a chipmunk, so.
0: <laughs> An agreeable <laughs> chipmunk.
1: <laughs> T. Yes.
0: What stuck out to you is the heart of Daniel's story.
1: So, what I was thinking is kind of a theme of his story is around wounds. Whoa. <laughs> just, just I don't know if I'm doing like a one word thing for a while. Okay. I think I did a one word for last. Yeah, no, I'm intrigued. Yeah wounds wounds
0: go on love
1: it like self-inflicted wounds wounds that we fl- inflict on others wounds that are inflicted on us by others um and I'm talking physical and mental yeah and the reason I was thinking this particular way um is because you know his his upbringing was really rough um he went through a lot with the drug dealing. He, he shot someone, you know, wound. I mean, I'm being literal now, but, um, from the war, right from the war, but also the other side of, of talking about wounds is care and healing. Right. Yeah. So his role in the army being that of, of caring for others as a medic, and then ongoing after the fact, right, he ended up working more in healthcare as well. Um, and that seemed to be really fulfilling for him. Yeah. Um and then ultimately, right, the wound that he inflicts on Jessica um that becomes kind of a kind of an unhealed wound for himself. Yeah. Um, that he he needs to care for and heal from as well.
0: That's a really great metaphor T, especially thinking about like him going forward in his life. It's almost like he won't allow himself to heal about the Jessica thing. Mm -hmm. And he thinks that he's honoring her by keeping that wound open. And it's, it's like, if he doesn't have that wound in some way, he doesn't have any reason to stay clean or any reason to stay focused. It's like that. It's like that wound is everything for him. It's this thing that he's going to take care of the rest of his life. Uh Because to put your your name and your story out there like this, when you've done something like so fucked up, it's like, you're being as vulnerable as you can be. And you're inviting like, trolls and haters and negative comments all the time because he does, you know, different podcasts and stuff. And it's like he just he just is willing to take it all all for her. Mm -hmm. But um, I think the heart of the story, the heart of Daniel's story is. It's the difficult pain of when you can only blame yourself. Mm. It just made me think of all of these things. Like, how do we move past those moments, especially when they're life changing or they cause negative, horrible negative effects on others? Uh, We can accept forgiveness from others, but can we forgive ourselves? And how does redemption work? How can we be redeemed? You know, in this situation, we've got kids that are growing up without their mom. And that will be a trauma that rings in their lives forever. And how how does he make amends with that? We're we're obsessed with blame, right? If something bad happens, we should be able to assign blame to someone. It's human of us to to assign it, but it's when it when it's assigned to us, when it's assigned to me, like what what do you do with that? What do we ask of others? It's like this the true test of the golden rule if we're able to assign blame to someone else perhaps we could show them mercy or grace or forgiveness because those are gifts to give and we'd hope it for ourselves it's just it opens up all these big ideas about how to accept accountability and and ask for forgiveness and if someone that's wronged you does that what else do they have to do before you can uh, freely forgive and potentially move on? And balance that out with the idea that it's okay to cut someone out. Like if someone hurts you over and over and over again and says, sorry, and you forgive them, and but they don't take action to change themselves or stop it from happening again, like you're allowed to root them out. Like, how, how do you protect yourself in those situations? I I don't know, I feel like this episode opens up all those sort of avenues for discussion. Oh yeah,
1: but if, if you're blaming yourself and you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you can't really separate from yourself.
0: Right, I mean, at some point, there has to be change. Right, yeah. that's, the, that's the true apology, is not only am I sorry, but I'm not gonna do it again. And a lot, you know, all of us have been in relationships, romantic or otherwise, where we want to be the bigger person. And we want to accept apologies when someone acknowledges and says they're sorry, but then if they do it over and over and over again, without any change, there, there, you know, all of the, the sorry sauce is dried up, you know, it doesn't at some point it doesn't mean anything anymore. You know, and that's, I think that's um, a big point of Daniel's story is he, he wasn't just passionately sorry about what he did, but his life since then, like, backs that up. It, it reinforces that apology. His, her father says, my daughter died for you. So he doesn't drink anymore because of her. Like, he's, he sees that clearly. Mm-hmm. If he started drinking again, it would be as if he went and dug up her grave and spit on her body. You know? it It is the ultimate test case or the ultimate example of doing something terrible, saying you're sorry, taking accountability, and then actually making changes so it doesn't mm-hmm. happen again.
1: And he does it. He actually does that yeah. several times yeah. in his life, and that he can kind of even be outside of himself in the past. Like he, like he, I just know he he insults himself so many times throughout his life yeah. of how he was acting. That those moments, when he's like, I, "I'm a dirt bag. I was a dirt bag and nothing," you know. All those things, all those ways of um, describing himself, yeah. those are the times I think he changed,
0: yeah, but he says it himself. he didn't change enough I mean mm-hmm. he had, from all accounts, and he only told us a handful of stories on this show, you know he he's got a million of them to get to the point where he shot Jessica on accident. Like he had so many moments where the universe was basically telling him to turn it around. Man. Mm-hmm. Like and he, he, he made it out so many times. Um, you know, thinking about that first incident with a gun that he talks about, he's talking to a drug dealer, the lights go out and he just shoots two shots. Panic.
1: And he gets out of this. Yeah.
0: And, yeah. He avoids arrest. He gets rid of the gun. The guy doesn't turn him in. And he says it himself. He learns nothing from this. And it was as if the universe was like giving him this like trial run, you know, mm-hmm. so that he could learn something from it. But he doesn't, he get he goes into the military and man, like if you think about his whole story and when he talks about being in the military, it sounds like when he, he really felt like he was achieving the most. You know, it was something that he was really good at. The fact that he finished boot camp. He's around all this live ammunition all the time. He survives this like daisy chain bomb. He's on the front lines, you know, doing medic shit and training people to do medic shit. Like, and he goes there expecting to die. And he doesn't and then he leaves there and again it was like the universe was preparing him all these ways to avoid this future and tragedy and he
1: just doesn't abide by it i i'd like to mention though even with that first shooting yeah there's there's these moments when you're like why did he do that like he went and visited him in the hospital after he shot him. And like when he, w- there's these moments of care that keep coming in.
0: He's a caring guy. He said he doesn't have malice in his heart. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to, he doesn't want to murder anyone. He doesn't go anyone to murder anyone. But the point is he gets away with it. Mm-hmm. He gets to, he gets to go see that guy in the hospital. He, it's not like he showed up at his funeral and had to apologize to the guy's mama. Like he got to, he got to go to the hospital and apologize to that guy. And honestly, this is mostly what life is for most of us, right? Like we are all making mistakes all the time, but usually they're just some little fuck up that we can apologize for. It's rare that it's a fuck up where it takes someone's life. Mm-hmm. right that's like a next level kind of fuck yeah up. so we're, we're most of us are escaping these sort of tragedies all the time and i'm not judging him at all like i i think about myself all the time and all the ways that i could have really fucked something up really really bad like there could have been far-reaching consequences for what i did and you know i i didn't and, but it just, it's just, it's just the matter of like a few seconds or a few feet or a few, whatever that can make all the difference in the world. But of course he has care. Of course he doesn't have malice in his heart. And we'll get to the incident. Let's, let's back up for a second. Um, I mean, Daniel is passionate. He's Frank. He's funny as hell. He's sincere as fuck. I loved it when he talked about having an Italian family, but it wasn't one that like ate baked CD and, and (laughs) and got along.
1: Not like that.
0: Can we talk about, he moved 32 times before he was 18 years old. That's crazy. That's got to take a toll on you.
1: Yeah. T, how many times did you move before you were 18 years old? Two, one, one. Really? Because it's two places we lived in. Yeah. Um. You know, they talk about
0: moving is one of these like top five stressors in people's lives, but I don't think that we count. You know what kids go through? That's usually an adult stressor, right? Kids are just like, okay, we're going, but that has to that has to do a number on your psyche to move thirty two times as a kid. Hmm. And then, you know, and that really is going to grow you up a lot because you're seeing that your mother is doing that to escape situations and she thinks she's going to leave her problems behind. But, you know, he saw that for exactly what it was, Mm -hmm. that all the problems are going to
1: be right there. You're never settled. Yeah. It never feels like you're actually home. Yeah. You just, you know, you're going to move soon. So why? Yeah. Why get comfortable
0: yeah, it's like this in, intense, like you're always on the edge of something. Yeah. And kids need more than anything. As a non-parent in this world, I know that kids need stability above most other things, right? Yeah. You know, I think what was especially telling in this like segment of his life is, in how, is how he wrapped it up. He said, I don't even like talking about this, Who fucking cares? It just made me tough. Yeah. Why do do you think he says this portion like this?
1: Yeah, it's almost like he's dismissing it all. He doesn't want to think about it.
0: Why do you think he says nobody cares? Who fucking cares?
1: Probably because he believes it. I mean, I
0: take it on a couple levels. Like, one, he's saying something akin to... You know, lots of people have had trouble growing up, like
1: mm-hmm.
0: who am i who am I to stand out? and two i I don't know why, but I kind of take it as like a um like a gender thing. like mm-hmm. I do think men generally don't think that anyone really cares what they go through. And I think that's in projecting that in that moment. It just made me sad,
1: no, it is very sad, yeah, and it's interesting you say, You know, maybe it's a men thing. I only read a headline of it and a little bit of the article, but it was like something around like who 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 do men confide to? Yeah. Um, And it was like pretty sad. Like a lot of like all the answers were just some of them was like nobody, you know, or my dad, but he's passed, you know. Yeah. So maybe that's like a badge right there. Just you know to stay tough yeah certainly not how i want my boys to feel yeah i mean i know that there is
0: a there is this sort of crisis for men in the world today and um it's something that we're talking about more and more and i i hope that we do continue to talk about it more and more
1: um yeah i had a um Arlo just shared with me today at, at, after school, something happened. I'll tell you about that another time. But he, he was like, I was like, well, how'd that make you feel? He was like crazy. And I was like, what? Cause crazy's like, <laughs> I don't know whether like, and I was like, how else? Cause I didn't want to be like crazy good or bad or, yeah, yeah. and he was like, well, worried and oh. like. Yeah, and I was like, oh, it like broke my heart, but I also was like, I'm so glad that he can share that and I want yeah. you know, all of our kids to be able to let us know how they're feeling. Yeah. You know, without any influence.
0: It's such a lonely thing being a kid. And I do think, you know, it does it's it gets like some kind of weird mockery but girls tend to tell their girlfriends everything you know and Mm -hmm. it's not met with a lot of judgment it's met with like kindness and acceptance and let's talk it out and figure it out and you know it doesn't seem like men exactly have that sort of outlet unless they're good at like having girlfriends and some men don't know how to do that because they weren't taught how to do that because they were taught the women weren't there for that you know mm-hmm. let's move on um, do you want to talk any more about the incident with the gun the first incident with the gun or the mil- do you want to talk any more about the military stuff
1: well I did think it was interesting why or I mean one reason why he decided to choose the military like not burdening his family
0: oh he's a fucking self aware person that's for sure he's like i know i'm a fuck up i live in the hood i live you know i exist i thrive in the hood and i'm probably gonna be killed so it's either be memorialized on a t-shirt or go to the military and get a fucking burial i mean to go into the military expecting to die and then to, to not die
1: yeah that seemed to be a surprise for him
0: you're going to be facing a lot of problems when you get back stateside. A lot.
1: Oh, man. Yeah. And he was like, you know, you just cry when you get home. Yeah. Like, oh, but it's dad. always
0: like this thing that's going to be happening later. And then oh, yeah, you have to face it. Well, can we just talk about a few things that, yeah, again, demonstrate how fucking funny he is. He gets to boot camp. He's wearing Gucci sunglasses. And he says to his squad commander, the reason he's wearing sunglasses is because he's pimping his mama. Oh. We've all seen movies. Can you imagine saying that to your like boot camp squad commander? And then he says he basically characterized his whole stay there in boot camp as pushing Georgia cl- closer to Florida, which I thought was an amazing uh, metaphor. What did that mean? I think it's cuz he was doing so many push-ups. So it's like you're pushing into the ground and it's like at some point you you just feel like you're pushing uh, georgia closer to florida wow that's yeah, it's, it's like brought. i was like i don't
1: know what that means yeah okay that's a lot
0: you know so he he knows that if he he makes it through and he survives and leaves he's not going to have any fear le- left but there is this whole like now what question and you know we know that the veterans administration sucks And there's no sort of counseling set up for them automatically, which is a tragedy in and of itself. It's like the government was like, oh, you didn't die. Oh, Oh. you're good though.
1: Yeah. You're
0: fine. Yeah. We got ours. So good luck. Yeah. (laughs) You know, um, and so he's comes back with PTSD and mania and bipolar and he's an alcoholic, duh, 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 all the stuff, of course. And he there's a section of the, the episode where he just rattles off a bunch of shit. hmm. And, and it's like you just catch random shit and you're like, what? Like, I want to <laughs> hear more about that. Like, yeah. Um, he mentioned something about a house with meth, and he talked about being a server at Waffle House. And I'm just, yeah,
1: like, <laughs> he's like throw away. You this, know, there's stories behind there's all of these of like absurd
0: things. So, by the time he gets with Jessica, he really is doing everything right. He says he's got a job that he likes, he's pursuing acting, and he's still doing a bit of music. He's on his meds, he's focused on family. And then T when you've got all of that going for you, Mm -hmm. then what is, what is the cherry on top of the cake that you need?
1: Well, you need a gun. Oh yes. Right. I think, yeah, everything's going right.
0: Yeah. Everything's going so well. We need to, that's the mindset. We need to protect everything that we're, that we've built. We must. Have a gun. It's tragic. Sorry, a G U N. T. Do you want to tell our listeners what you call a gun in your household?
1: Yeah, G U N. G U N.
0: How was your G U N drill at at school today, Arlo?
1: Yeah, they don't call it that.
0: A C T I V E S H O O T E R drill.
1: (laughs) Maybe.
0: I gotta say that T and Gwen are the fastest spellers I've ever been around, <laughs> and it made it made me. And I'm a good speller, and it makes me feel. Really no, you did well
1: with that a c t i v e s h o o t e r.
0: Well, I mean, I you know I had to like up like my game living in your house. <laughs> so they have this GUN that's a new member of the family. And they go out for 4th of July because even though veterans are treated like shit in this country, you know, we must celebrate America. But he acknowledges this is just an excuse for him to party.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: He has a loaded gun on him. It's his tool.
1: But he has had so much training. He feels very comfortable. And
0: again, I'm not judging him. You know, he's the one that says... The world is a fucking fire right now. This ain't no fucking combat shit. This ain't no gangster shit. This ain't no beef shit. This is um, you fucked up. You fucked up. That, and that is this, he just fucked up. Mm-hmm. It get, The guns pointed at her. He didn't check the chamber. He's on alcohol. Children are in the vehicle. Everything he knows it is wrong. So many lessons that he's learned in his life up to this point. And this still happens, you know, he's been in so many situations where crime and danger are all around him. And he always escapes every time. And now this is a person that he actually loves and there's no malice. There's no hate. It's just a negligent fucking discharge. And I want to say this again, reinforce this. And he says this in the episode that he is not asking for sympathy, like truly, like as mad as his listeners are at him for this, like he hates himself more and he only puts himself out there to atone forever for this thing and he has nothing to hide. And I just wanted to read a little bit of an email when we were going back and forth about him being on the show. He says, this is before we had like sort of the pre-interview or we do, we just make sure that they're a good fit for the show. Um, and he just said, I just need to be clear that this is not wanting to be seen or sympathy thing. I truly believe in my heart I can help others not make the same mistake as me or help them get through something they didn't think they could get through because of the story. I want to make a difference and help everyone I can through my story of redemption, negligence, and trauma. And I also want to say that he came to us from uh, Todd Rennenbaum, and he has a podcast that Whitman mentions in the episode called Bunny Hugs and Mental Health. I would encourage you to go listen to the interview with Daniel on his podcast. Um, And then Daniel also did send me a link to an article about this case and he read a statement during the sentencing hearing and he says, I will never forgive myself for this accident, but I will honor her memory with all my heart just as I honored her and her daughter when she was with us. I'm truly sorry. I was supposed to protect her. That was my intention and I failed. I love Jessica dearly. Life will never be the same without my beautiful girlfriend. And I'm so sorry. So sad. So, you know, he talks at length about sort of being in jail. He talks about girlfriend killers or just above ped- pedophiles. Yeah. Um, I mean, what do you think, T? Like, what do you think uh, the punishment should be for someone that does something like this? Lifelong criminal by his account actually hurt someone that he didn't mean to. It was an accident. What does he deserve?
1: That's a that's a toughie, I think. But it was an accident. Yeah. I think the big confusion is if it was an accident.
0: Yeah. I think actually justice was probably done. I mean he did he did serve nine and a half months. Yeah. And it sounded like it was shit for him. Um, you know, originally, when they were gonna charge him with first degree murder, it was gonna he had like thirteen years he might have to do um and I think the proof is in the pudding right the fact that he did get released and mm-hmm. he's on probation um he has completely changed his life to honor her as he said he would. I don't think anyone deserves solitary confinement, but that's a whole other conversation. But he put
1: himself in there.
0: I know, but yeah, terrible. Yeah. What do you think about what he said when he said um, he accepts her son's revenge?
1: Well, they haven't talked, right?
0: Right. Well, and he he might get to an age where he he does want to confront daniel about taking his mother and by all accounts it sounds like daniel is willing to accept that and however it looks yeah you know these kids were just you know six and nine when this happened it's not old enough to really know what's going on or to understand the bigger picture the long-reaching effects but these both of these kids are going to get to an age where they have a better vocabulary about what happened to them Better understanding, and they're gonna have anger. And it sounds like Daniel's ready to accept whatever comes his way. He knows that this is not dead and buried; that this might come come for him at any moment, and he's okay with it.
1: He probably feels like he deserves whatever will come. Exactly,
0: his way, you know? exactly. But he has so much love in him, and he really does seem to be living his life to honor her. Thank you for listening. This has been an episode of Trauma Bonded. You can find our show where podcasts are kept. If you like us, please write and review us on Apple or other places. Or reach out to us on Instagram and tell us what you really think about us. Or anything or anyone. Nothing is censored. It's a free-for-all. It's Hunger Games over there on our Instagram. Thanks to Daniel for sharing their story and giving us the opportunity to talk about it. Thanks to the This Is Actually Happening team, including Whitney Misseldein and Andrew Waits and the maker for music and website, Nathaniel Tremboli, and thanks to Kathy Seitz for editing this episode, and to Katie Capel for building those blasted Instagram posts. You can contact us at bondedpod at gmail.com and find us on Instagram at Trauma Bonded pod official or visit our website at traumabondedpod.com. And as a reminder, we will have a bonus comments episode toward the end of the month where we can discuss listener comments with the episode and address certain things that y'all are talking about. And we will also have our first TIH Storyteller follow-up this month, and it's just going to be a surprise, y'all, so look for that. Um, We are trauma-bonded to the story, to the storyteller, to the listeners, and to each other. Thank you for spending time with us today. Sorry again about my voice. Love you, T.
1: Love you, Ellie.